It's time for The Outspoken Cyclist, your weekly conversation about bicycles, cyclists, trails, travel, advocacy, the bike industry, and much, much more. You can subscribe to our weekly podcast at OutspokenCyclist.com or through your favorite podcatching app to listen anytime. Now here's your host, Diane Jenks. Welcome to The Outspoken Cyclist. I'm your host, Diane Jenks, and this is our show for January 8th, 2022. Last week, Las Vegas hosted the Consumer Electronics Show, a.k.a. CES. First held in 1967 in New York City, it was a spinoff of the Chicago Music Show. Every year, the event showcases the latest and greatest in technology, and this year I wanted to poke around and see what cycling innovations might be coming up for us in 2022 and beyond. So leave it to Apple to look for an opportunity, and this year the Apple Watch is looking to bring cycling tech to newer riders, e-bike enthusiasts, and to upgrade some of the features that have always been available on their wrist wearable. Lexi Savides is a tech geek, those are her words, not mine, and her article for CNET, where she's a producer and writer, How the Apple Watch Could Turn You Into a Serious Cyclist in 2022, caught my attention, as you can well imagine. In addition to the Apple Watch and its many cycling features, Lexi's going to tell us about a few jaw-dropping products that are in various stages of development like a BMW that changes colors right before your eyes, and a humanoid robot named Amica. Lexi will be with me in a moment. After our break, we're going to head out to Albuquerque, New Mexico, to speak with Tom Parker. He's a civil engineer, a rabid cycling enthusiast, and the ride director for what sounds like one of the coolest cycling events for 2022, the Day of the Tread Ride. I wanted to hear about something that was different, fun, and warm. Loosely patterned on the Day of the Dead motif, this ride has morphed over the years into many in-person ride routes, each with its own fun theme and several virtual options. Tom will be with me after our mid-show break. So you have an iPhone and either have or want an Apple Watch. And if you do, you can reap some new benefits with your cycling experiences. Included are the usual tracking features, but added in 2022, there are several functions that you might find really fun and some that could be very important. Joining me to talk about, quote, all things Apple Watch Geek, end quote, and some other cool stuff from the CES show is Lexi Savides. She's a techie producer and writer for CNET, the media website that offers up advice, articles, reviews, and videos, among other things, of everything from money to tech, culture and climate, home and health, and a whole lot more. Hi, Lexi. Welcome to The Outspoken Cyclist. Thanks for being my guest today. How are you? I'm well, Diane. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It is my pleasure. So you are a journalist, but you do a lot of other things. Tell us a little bit about Lexi. Yeah, so um, I am a host and I am a producer at CNET, which is the world's biggest technology news and review site for consumer tech. So I cover a lot of different things. I do videos on wearable technology. I do videos on robotics, um, trying cool, crazy new inventions and things like that. So I really get to see 
a lot of stuff at the cutting edge of what's coming next for tech and also, you know, the more everyday items that all of us use from phones to watches to earbuds. So it's a very exciting job. I guess. How long have you been doing that? Oh, a long, a long time. I've been in the US for about six years now covering tech. And before that, I was doing tech as well as radio and presenting back in Sydney, Australia. So I've been in the industry a while and I've got to see a lot of the trends come and go and products come and go and, and vaporware. All these cool, exciting new products get announced and then all of a sudden they, they go nowhere. So that's, that's always the disappointing side of things. When something really amazing comes along, you go, that's going to really help a lot of people. And it just disappears into thin air, vaporware. That's interesting because when new things get introduced in the bicycle business, they usually actually happen for the most part. I won't say always. There are some pretty wacky stuff that comes along occasionally. So I do want to talk about tech. Uh, I know that you're covering CES, the Consumer Electronics Show, virtually. Good for you. I don't know if I could get on a plane either right now. But you wrote an article, actually December 31st, uh, about Apple's new watch, how the Apple Watch could turn you into a serious cyclist in 2022. And of course, I had to know exactly what you meant. I have to be honest, I do not wear an Apple Watch. I have a lot of customers and friends who do. So tell me... Why Apple do you think is focusing on cyclists right now? Well, Apple has always had cycling and bike workout type features on the Apple Watch, but the company's really started to build on all of those features and trying to appeal to all sorts of riders from more casual cyclists to people who are just getting their first bike, who have also got an Apple Watch, to people who are a little bit more serious in terms of riding bikes, but they don't have a wearable and they're looking at, say, getting an Apple Watch or getting another type of, of wearable device. And if you think about it, obviously, the explosion in popularity of bike riding um, since the pandemic, you know, the bike shortages, everybody's looking to be outside and, and work out and keep an eye on their health and fitness. You know, Apple is obviously seeing a big a big um, potential in the market here to go. There's a lot of people getting really interested in bike riding right now. Let's try and beef up some of the features there. So it's it's been a really uh, it's a really great opportunity for people who either have a wearable device who are looking at getting into riding or people who are already riding who are thinking about getting a wearable because there's a lot of new features and, and cool things happening to um, to kind of to play to both sides there. Apple has always had some features on, is it, all right, let me, let me back up because I don't ex exactly understand. Apple releases new things all the time. So I don't know what the iteration of Apple Watch is today, you know, like what the most recent Apple Watch is, but how far back do some of the cycling features go if you are an Apple Watch person and can you upgrade what you have to some of the new features? Yeah, that's a great question. So as I said, Apple's always had a lot of different cycling features in the watch, basically from, from day one, as soon as workout tracking was available, there's been workout types such as, you know, running, walking, cycling, um, and then indoor riding was also added, say, for stationary bikes as well. So all of the basic workout tracking types have always been present on the Apple Watch like they have on pretty much all the other wearables. But in terms of uh, diving a little bit deeper into some more specific features that are really useful for cyclists, whether you're starting out, you're a more casual rider, or you're a little bit more into it, um, that's something that's only come with the update to WatchOS 8. Now, that's the software that the Apple Watch runs. And that came out 
uh, September, October 2021. So it's a few months ago now. So if you have an Apple Watch from the Series 3 onwards, so the Apple Watch has been around uh, for several years now. And, you know, the, the current model is called the Series 7. This is the latest watch that is dust resistant. It's a little bit more durable. Uh, it's got a slightly bigger screen than older models, and it's a little bit brighter as well. So that's the latest model that's available, which all of these features are available on. And if you have a series, so it, they basically have numerical, uh, obviously, numbers. So Apple Watch was the initial one, and then we had the Series 1 all the way through to the Series 7. So the Series 3 was released about four years ago, almost four and a half years ago. And if you have one of those watches um, and anything released since then, you can get a lot of these new cycling features just by updating the software, which is great. So you don't necessarily have to go out and buy a brand new watch and spend $400 if you're not, if you don't need to, because a lot of them work on the older models. Let me reintroduce you. We're speaking with Lexi Savides. She is with CNET a big organization. She is attending the Consumer Electronics Show virtually, just like she and I are talking virtually. Uh, and we are talking about the new Apple Watch software, apparently, more than anything else, and some of the features that uh, are good for cycling. So what are some of the upgrades, Lexi? Yeah, let's go through the main sort of updates in WatchOS 8 specifically for cyclists. So there's really five key ones. The first is automatic cycling detection. So if you go out on a ride and you've got your watch strapped to your wrist and you're riding along, you're, you know, you're going, you're having a lovely time and then you've realized, I forgot to start this workout. Oh no, I'm not going to get credit for the last, you know, couple of miles that I've done. The great thing now about the Apple Watch is that it can automatically detect when you are riding a bike and start the workout for you. It will detect about after about three minutes or three and a half minutes of riding your bike, and then it will give you credit for all of the workout that you've done before you physically go, oh, great, I can start it now. It's detected I'm riding. So you don't need to manually start a workout if you don't want to. Um, so the really cool thing about this is it's actually using a lot of the different sensors in the Apple Watch to detect that you're actually on a bike, right? So it's using things like the GPS, it's using the accelerometer, it's using the magnetometer, which is basically like the compass. And that's detecting those really minute sways that happen when you're riding a bike. So um, if you think about it, if you are, um, say, you know, on a, on a bus or in the car or something like that, um, and you're going at a similar speed to how you would be riding a bike, the watch is going to go okay, you're in a car because it knows if you're on a bike, what those specific movements would be. So it's not going to have false starts, which is actually really, really interesting. It is the interesting. Yeah. The second feature is better calorie tracking for e-bike riding. So Previously, if you've been on an e-bike, uh, it might not necessarily give you an accurate representation of how hard you have been working in terms of your overall energy exertion by giving you that calorie readout. So now there is a new algorithm within the workout type on the Apple Watch for outdoor cycling. So it's going to know when you're getting an assist from your e-bike as opposed to pedaling really hard on your regular bike. No cheating. 
No cheating. <laughs> exactly. And I've done it. I did it. I actually did a test of my own on this because it's one thing to, um, to see like, okay, great. It gives me, it's supposed to give me better calorie detection, but does this actually work in the real world? Like I have to test this stuff out. So what I did was I climbed up 440 feet of elevation on my regular bike. And then I did exactly the same route on an e-bike with the assist and I compared those two numbers. Um, long story short, it was a very difficult ride on my regular bike because there's a lot of elevation. I was really breathless at my maximum heart rate when I got to the top. The e-bike was really, really nice and pleasant and easy. Um, and I did burn a lot more calories on my regular bike than the e-bike. So comparing those two readings with exactly the same parameters about the route and the elevation, the e-bike did not award me um, as many calories because I wasn't working as hard. Um, whereas before, without this new algorithm, it might not have been, it might have been a little bit closer, essentially. So it gives you a more accurate idea of how hard you're working or how many calories you're burning. Um, the next one is automatic pause and resume on your bike ride. So if you, you know, if you want to stop at the lights, say, for example, or you see someone along the route and you want to stop and have a chat, you know, on, on your um, on your commute. Um, before that timer would keep going unless you manually paused your watch. Now it will know when you get off your bike or pause, it will stop and don't in, doesn't eat into your overall workout time. There's also voice prompts so they can speak your cycling stats to you, which is kind of nice. So if you hit certain milestones like your five mile or five kilometer markers, it will speak that to you during your ride. It can also tell you when you close your activity rings, which is the big thing on the Apple Watch is the ring that's it's kind of gamifying, if you like, um, your workout stats by having your overall move goal and your um, your exercise goal. So it can now speak when you hit those if you're on a ride or any other workout. And I guess most importantly for cyclists, and something hopefully you'll never have to use, but it's fall detection. And this is incredibly important. So if you come off your bike, you take a tumble and uh, you don't respond, as in like you just lay motionless, the Apple Watch can automatically call emergency services, alert them of your location, and also alert your emergency contacts. So again, something I hope that you never have to use, but it is a little bit of peace of mind to have something with you that could potentially help if you did get into trouble. Interesting. There was a product called Ice Dot that you would put on your helmet that would do the same thing. It was separate and it, I think you programmed it somehow to call emergency and it would call, no, actually it would call your emergency contact who would then have to call emergency. So this is really interesting. I think that's really, really cool. Really cool. Will it upload your stats to Strava, is that something that the Apple Watch will do? Yes. Um, so the way that you can, there are a couple of different ways that you can do the integration with Strava, but I think at the, currently the Strava app itself can read into your um, stats that come from the Apple Health app and it will automatically, if you link it up, you can automatically say in your Strava notifications, it should say you can import your latest workout from the Apple Watch. That doesn't necessarily have to be cycling. That could be a run. That could be a walk. It could be any any activity that the Apple Watch tracks. You can. It doesn't automatically port it over. You'll just have to do it yourself in, within Strava. But it is possible. Yes. Very very cool. So I just have a couple more questions, and that is, how difficult the setup is on the Apple Watch, and 
what kind of battery time does it have? Great questions. So I, I test a lot of wearables um, in my job, whether that's uh, you know brands like Garmin, Fitbit, Polar. I, I do have a whole range of devices um, at my disposal, which is incredible. The thing is the Apple Watch is probably one of the easiest to set up, which is absolutely great news. The only thing is you do have to have an iPhone. So the Apple Watch only works with Apple devices and only the iPhone. So if you have an Android device, you can't use the Apple Watch. You'll need to look at another brand. That is one of the that is one of the things about Apple Watch is that you must have an iPhone to use it. Um, but you know there are plenty of other great options if you're on Android. Uh, so I can I can also suggest some of those later on if we if we have time to talk through that. But the setup of Apple Watch is is very very simple. Yeah, you simply as soon as you pull it out of the box. Uh, and you turn it on, it will have a little image that displays. You scan that with your phone camera, and basically it will walk you through the setup, uh, and it's very, very simple. You enter into things such as your height and weight and age to get things like the, that's to help with the calorie detection algorithm when you start to do workouts and things like that. And then it's it's pretty much, you know, it takes, you know, maybe 10, 20 minutes to kind of initialize, and then you can away you go. It's very, very simple. There is ways that you can calibrate the watch later on if you are wanting to make sure to get the most accurate counts of say distance um, and calorie counting and things like that most people probably won't need to do that but if you do want to if you are really wanting to make sure that absolutely everything is spot on you can go into things like uh, the location services uh, settings and then calibrate your watch by basically you just go on an outdoor walk or a run for about 20 minutes and it should automatically do all of that calibration for you. So you can get into the weeds if you want to, or you can just set and forget essentially. And it does it a lot for you. So it's got a lot for all types of users and and as as difficult as you want to make it or as easy as you want to make it, which is great. And you talked about battery life. Now, this one's really interesting. So battery life is really kind of like the holy grail when it comes to wearable devices and watches. And the last thing you want is when you're on a long distance ride is for your watch to go, yeah, sorry, run out of battery, can't track your workout. You've got 30 miles left and all of a sudden your watch on your wrist is like, no, got no more battery, sorry. So it basically doesn't count. Well, it does count, but if you like to track your stats and things like that, you know, then you don't get credit for it. So the Apple Watch has um, basically hasn't improved its battery life rating for a couple of generations. The Apple quoted number is 18 hours of runtime, but this is not necessarily, this is just for everyday use. So in real world usage, if you are looking to use the Apple Watch to do long distance rides or cycling, you can get probably, I would say, a maximum of seven hours out of the Apple Watch. Um, If you are using GPS, like if you're just using the watch independently without your phone and the GPS is on Um, and using the heart rate sensor and things like that. There are ways that you can kind of stretch the battery a little bit longer. Say, for example, by pairing a standalone Bluetooth chest strap for for heart rate with the Apple Watch, you can do that and get the data from the chest strap rather than from the watch itself. That can also help conserve a little bit of battery. So you might be able to eke out a little bit more. You can do things like turn off the screen, uh, turn the screen brightness down, 
and obviously um, there's a lot like lots of little mayute that you can kind of really tweak to get the most out of it but Long story short, if you're trying to do, um, you know, a bike ride, probably seven hours is the maximum you're going to be able to get with a with a GPS workout. So something to bear in mind there if you're looking to to stretch this for uh, maybe multiple days, you're going to be charging this pretty much every day. How waterproof is it? Um, it's so these devices are all water resistant. Nothing is really technically waterproof, right? Um, and so that's the big that's the big catch with all electronics. You can't really say it's waterproof, even though it, it can go to fifty meters underwater. So you can you can get this um, like in water, no need to worry about it. It will probably be totally fine. It's also dust resistant, the latest version of the Apple Watch. So if you're in a really dusty environment, I don't know, you're doing dirt on the bike, um, you don't really need to worry about it because it will probably be totally fine. So they have all these sorts of IP ratings to, to classify both water and dust resistance. Um, so if you want to get into the weeds, the Apple Watch Series 7 is IP6X, which means it's dust resistant. So no no dust ingress. Just like to say, because a lot of people out there might be listening and you're a geek like me and you like the, the stats and figures and numbers. <laughs> well, and a lot of people ride gravel now. Exactly. Which is dusty and dirty. So um, I guess the last thing I want to talk about is anything else you're seeing at CES that cyclists might be interested in. I know we've talked almost exclusively about the Apple Watch. Many of us have Wahoo systems, elements, bolts, whatever, and have been using those and they pair with the indoor stuff. And I imagine this watch would pair with indoor workouts too, like Peloton or, or Zwift or any of those. Um, but what else have you seen at CES in your like ability to look around while you're virtually looking that you think we might be interested in? There's a lot of things going on with cycling right now. There are. There is a lot of things happening. Um, there are a couple of new wearables that are actually really interesting. So at CES, Garmin has just introduced the new Venue 2 Plus which it which is its latest wearable. Uh, and this one is a little bit more kind of like the Apple Watch in terms of it's a fitness tracking device, but it's also got a lot of real smart features in it. So there's a speaker and microphone in it, and it has all of the same Garmin fitness tracking features for especially for cycling that are in other Garmin watches, not necessarily as high as say like the the Phoenix line, but definitely on a more consumer level that really do match up with what other devices are offering such as the Apple Watch. Um, there's things like I've seen that was a really cool e-bike, but it wasn't for road, it was for snow, <laughs> which was kind of exciting. So it's a it's an e-bike that essentially you can plow through the snow with and and uh, and go pretty fast, which was which was interesting. CES is also a show uh, that is a lot to do with kind of really big, bold future gazing devices, things that are really incredibly out there that sort of stop the show, stop you in your tracks if you're in there in person and you see uh, you see something and you just go, wow, the jaw-dropping thing that I saw this year, uh, at least virtually on a screen, which did make my jaw drop, was a BMW has a colour-changing vehicle. Now, this one uses e-ink technology to basically change the shade of your color finish, which is kind of incredible. It you it's literally changing the the paint job on the car in front of your eyes. <laughs> so that was a real incredible thing. If you have the chance to go check out a video of this, 
go have a look because it really did make my jaw drop. I was very excited to see this. This sounds like something the FBI would not like because, well, we're chasing a blue car that is now red. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Well, at the moment, it's pretty much more of a monochrome effect, but in the future, it will be able to do color with e-ink. But yes, it's it's just one of those things that really looks like from a sci-fi movie. It really does make you feel like we're living in the future. Um, and I don't necessarily think this is cycling related, but I think this is something that, again, you should definitely go take a look at if you have the opportunity and you're interested in future tech is Amica, the humanoid robot. Now, this is just an incredible demonstration of a robot that has very human-like features in terms of facial features, expressions, and reactions. So um, really things thinking about things like the service industry going forward. But, but really, if you look at this demo now of this robot talking and interacting with people, it has very lifelike reactions and it's it's very uncanny valley <laughs> and it's very creepy and it's very cool. So I don't want to sort of say too much more about it because I really want people, if you go and look up this robot, Amica, A-M-E-C-A, just, I just want you to have that sort of reaction to it, that very visceral reaction that I had when I first saw this thing. It was incredible. And it's, if this is, if this is where the future is going, I'm freaked out, but I'm also kind of excited. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Lexi, this has just been a wonderful conversation. I'm so excited. I'm sorry we couldn't go to CES. Uh, In fact, we'll be talking next week to some of the people for bikes, people who are giving presentations at CES about some of the things that people for bikes are doing. So this has just been a wonderful conversation. I will go look and try to meet Amica (laughs) myself. We've been speaking with Lexi Savitas. She's with CNET and she is a wearable and tech geek. I mean, admits it herself. Thank you so much for talking with me. Enjoy the rest of CES. It's like a week-long event, isn't it? Yeah, it's a couple of days. It's wrapping up towards the end of the week. But uh, the, the great thing is, you know, all of these developments that we have seen at CES, we, they're just going to start trickling out in terms of available products later in the year as well. So that's exciting. We, we kind of have, it's like, it's like a second Christmas, I guess, for tech geeks, <laughs> right after the first. Christmas. Well, thank you so much for talking with me. We, I hope we get to talk again. This has been fun. Likewise. Thank you so much for having me, Diane. I appreciate it. Okay. Lexi Savides joined me from her Zoom room in San Francisco. I've linked Lexi's Apple Watch article on our website, OutspokenCyclist.com, and you can follow her on all the usual social platforms, as well as watch for her work on CNET. So let's take a short break, and when we come back, we'll learn all about Day of the Tread. You're listening to The Outspoken Cyclist. Bicycle crash is not an accident. And when you find yourself in a situation that calls for experienced, effective, and positive legal support and advocacy, you can depend on any of North America's independent Bike Law members. Bike Law's cycling attorneys are members of our community committed to the pursuit 
of Cycling Safety and Justice. For more information about Bike Law, log on to bikelaw.com. They're on your left, protecting your rights. We are back on The Outspoken Cyclist. I'm your host, Diane Jenks. While not everyone wants to don a costume and ride, those who do will be joined by hundreds more at Day of the Tread. This 15-year-old event takes place in Albuquerque right around Halloween, and with a plethora of options for ride lengths and some really worthwhile charitable beneficiaries, maybe booking a trip to New Mexico in October could be on your bucket list. Joining me to talk about the event is Ride Director Tom Parker. Hello, Tom. Welcome to the Outspoken Cyclist. Happy New Year. Thanks for joining me this week. Happy New Year. Thanks for having me. It is my pleasure. We have a mutual friend, Scott Casper. Uh, He introduced us. And we're going to talk about a cool event, Day of the Tread you know, I yeah. guess there'll be some deadheads out there listening to this. But anyway, <laughs> uh, we're calling it DOT. Everything needs uh, an acronym, D-O-T-T. Tell us a little bit about Tom Parker. Yeah, so I work currently live in Albuquerque. I'm a civil engineer. Um, been riding bikes since, geez, five, six years old. Had a lot of hand-me-down stuff. Uh, started racing back in mid early 80s and really raced for about a decade was uh i call a category three pro which means i didn't ever want to move up to a category one two because it just i wasn't number one good enough and number two didn't have the physical makeup for it so i always call myself as a cat three pro just love riding bikes uh still ride bikes uh mountain bikes road bikes started getting into bike camping up, uh, we've got a house up in the Chama. So we've been doing the Continental Divide Trail. And it's just stunning, stunning scenery up there. And it's really, really hard to bike camp on the Continental Divide Trail. They have that crazy ride that goes from north to south on the Continental Trail. You know, uh, a uh, it's a timed event, I guess. But yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's uh, you know, the guy, the guy that uh, uh that I went with this year, uh, he's ridden that four times. The and what, what I learned was that, that that ride goes on mostly Forest Service roads. And what we've been riding is the actual scenic trail, the hiking trail, which is a single track. It's really, really hard. Like we went from Cumbres Pass to Hopewell Lake, 45 miles. It took us 14 hours because we wow. never got in a routine. You know, you got to get off, throw your bike over the tr- trees, and it was too steep. And But we had a ball. We, it was stunning, stunning. This event, are you the ride director for this event? Yeah, yeah. I've been the event director for three or four years. Uh, Mark Gunlock, who couldn't be on the on the on the podcast today, was is the uh founder of, of Day of the Tread. And it's about 15 years old now. Ride directors are uh are a different breed. I've been a ride director. It's hard work. People don't get what goes into these rides, huh? 
Well, we, you know what, we, our events like late October and we're already starting to meet, talk about 2022. And, you know, we got a great group of volunteers and we're all volunteers and an event this big, I mean, we start the permitting process six months out and it takes, there's probably six, seven, eight permits that we have to get, a lot of traffic control. So, but we love doing it. We love Day of the Tread. Um, It's just a great event. Cool name, cool name. So it takes place in the Southwest. That right now, looking outside my door, it sounds really nice to be in Albuquerque instead of Cleveland. But anyway, uh, so I was born on Halloween, and so this has kind of an interesting, uh, uh, you know, vibe to it. This day of the tread. Tell us about the theme of the ride and how people show up for it. Yeah. So Mark, Mark started this 15 years ago and it was more like Day of the Dead themed, right? Dia de los Muertos, which is celebration of life. So he started the event like three, three, three uh, distances, like a short one, a medium and a long, maybe 50 miles. And people would show up with face paintings and stuff like that. And it was, and it was just right around Halloween. So then as the event grew, people took it as a Halloween theme. So now we get I mean, I swear half the half the riders dress up in some form of costume and they ride and we just have a ball. We we have a cost uh, a costume contest, we have a bunch of other things. So so it started out more of the Day of the Dead theme, but now it's about half and half, Day of the Dead and Halloween since it's right around the same time. Right, right. So costumes are not mandatory. Not mandatory. No, <laughs> a lot of the li- longer rides. So we have rides from seven miles up to 100 miles. The, the longer rides, the 60s and the hundreds, most of those are pretty serious cyclists, you know, because they're out there on the road for five, six, seven hours. And some of them dress up. Yeah. But but a lot of the people that do the shorter rides, they they get into it. They bring their families, the kids dress up, they ride their bikes, they have fun. So it's uh, it's the shorter rides. We get a lot more of the costumes. Let me take a moment to reintroduce you. We're speaking with Tom Parker. He is the ride director for Day of the Tread, the DOT, D-O-T-T ride out of Albuquerque, New Mexico. And I love talking about the Southwest right now when it's cold and lousy here in Northeast (laughs) Ohio. So you mentioned that there are quite a few ride options. Uh, Tell us about the routes because they have some interesting names too. Yeah, yeah, we've got a number of rides going from seven miles, uh, which essentially is a down and back three, three and a half miles. Uh, lots of families will do that, bring their you know small kids, ride their bikes, get dressed up. Um, the longer ride, we, we started a ride about four or five years ago where you could go 12 miles and you ride to a, a, a train station and we take what they call the rail runner back to uh, uh, downtown. So the families will ride their bikes, will load their bikes in four minutes because that's all we're allowed. And then we'll, they'll, they'll take the train back. That's a great ride. Um, we have a Bosque, uh, uh, ride. All of our routes go down what we call the Bosque, which is right along the Rio Grande river. And right at that time, the leaves are changing and it's just beautiful. Um, we have a 23 mile, what we call a red, hot chili pepper ride that goes to a, a real uh, a popular restaurant here at El Pinto. And they've been a great supporter of ice for 15 years and they serve sopapillas. So sopapillas are, Oh, what do you want to call it? Fried bread. And then you put honey on them and 
our volunteers served 7,000 sopapillas to those riders. Wow. Uh, during that ride. Yeah, yeah. It's a real popular ride. And then we have a 47-mile ride. It's It's got some climbs to it. And then uh, we have a flat, almost like a metric century ride. And then we got the full century ride. So anywhere from seven miles to 100 miles that we do. You also have virtual options. Right, right. We started that last year with COVID. Uh, we weren't. We were planning, you know, during COVID, we didn't know if it was going to break, if we were going to get through it or not. So we started a virtual ride. We probably had 250 riders last year for uh, for the virtual ride. This year in 2021, we had a few riders, but most people came out and rode this year. You know, uh, we were unsure what, what would happen this year with COVID and. And we, we had about 12, 1,300 riders this year to, to make to do the ride. Yep. Do you have a rider limit? No rider limit at all. We're, we're continue to improve and have fun and you know learn, learn and, and grow. Uh, this year we had riders from 31 states come in and, and ride. So it's been great. And we had a national organization, Crohn's and Colitis, that came in with 25 riders and they raised almost $130,000 for charities. And they came from, I think, maybe, I don't know how many different states. Um, really good group. Uh, we had fun with them. The reason I found out about you was because of Scott Casper and his connection to JDRF. So apparently right. um, JDRF is going to come in this year and they'll bring lots of riders too, I would right. imagine. Right. Yeah. yeah, It's such a cool thing to do. And you have other charities uh, associated with the ride. There was a children's legal, is it a children's legal fund? Children's legal fund called Pegasus Legal Services. So the money that we raise from the ride goes to both the Pegasus Legal Services for Children, which assist uh, juveniles to get through the legal process to get out of some bad situations. So it's it's a great event, uh, or not a great, but it's, it's a great organization, nonprofit that works, you know, gets local kids out of some pretty bad situations. And then our second charity is a uh, uh, Carrie Tingley Hospital Foundation. And they they have uh, what they call a hand cyclist program. And that has grown con- considerably over the years where these folks, uh, the money that they raise, they, they buy the, the specialty bikes. And the first year that they did it, one, one, one young man maybe went a mile, turned around and came back. And over the years, there's more and more riders. And now we're up to 30 riders that will that will ride their hand cyclists anywhere from a few miles all the way up. I think uh, two or three years ago, we had a, one of them ride 60 miles on the hand cyclists. So. One of the coolest things I can remember, my husband Brian and I did RAGBRAI back in 1999. And oh. every morning, this just adorable woman who didn't walk, she only was able to use a hand cycle, rode every single mile, every single day with a big smile on her face. And I'm like, if she can do it, we can do it. You know, she was the most <laughs> inspiring know. rider. Just amazing, amazing. These these young people are so inspirational and they're, they, 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 they just have a ball. You know what I mean? And, yeah. you know, to grow it from nothing to 30 riders and now you know, for us to provide some money for them to buy their, you know, those, those bikes are pretty expensive. So. Yes, they are. They are not inexpensive, but, and it's nice to yeah. know that there's, that everybody's welcome on the ride. You know, it's not exclusively for 
mammals or exclusively for, you know, yeah. people, which some of the grand fondos and that kind of thing are. So uh, I also wanted to know something about your categories because you actually have a tandem category, which interests me. Yep. Yep. Yeah. We, we, we just, we wanted to open it up to all bikes. I mean, when you come to our ride, you'll see the, the, the shorter rides, you know, they're not the $10,000 racing machines and these are bikes that maybe people have just dusted off. And that's the reason for the ride. We want to get people out, be healthy, you know what I mean? Get out on the bike, have fun, enjoy, you know, Albuquerque, enjoy New Mexico. So we start, we have the tandem and I would say we might probably get, 20 to 30 tandems and um you know and 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 even though it's not a race right the racers take the 100 mile and you know what i mean there's right. a lead group and all that and there's always a tandem in there messing it up with everybody and you know they're generally some really strong riders and they'll you know they'll do that century and you know less than four and a half hours oh so. yeah they draft the tandems going downhill we know all about it <laughs> Of course. That's true. Well, let's give our listeners some of the nitty gritty details. So when is the ride for 2022? So 2022 is October 23rd. That's a Sunday. We have registration the day uh, day before. Uh, Not registration, but but packet pickup. You know what I mean? Yep. And we have registration open right now. We have about 75 people already registered for the event. Folks can go to www.dayofthetread.com, check out our website. You can check out some of the costumes, some of the rides, some of the charities. You know, I do want to mention we have almost 300 volunteers that help put us on the event. We have 10 recharge zones, what we call recharge zones. Uh, Some of them uh, have bands, mariachi bands, et cetera, et cetera. Um, A lot of uh, volunteers help with the event. And they have just as much fun as we do, because what we do is we said, listen, if you want to if you want to take part in this recharge zone, you got to come up with a theme. Right. It could be either Day of the Dead or be a Halloween theme or be superheroes. And so so we're always just having a, a lot of fun, a lot of fun. My experience with rides like that is the volunteers have almost as much, if not more fun than the riders. They just love it. Uh, so you mentioned a rider packet. What's in the packet? Well, what we do, you know, with COVID, we we, we went back to uh, um, not really a packet. So every rider will get a T-shirt. So we, we hand that out. We provide, obviously, the bib, the, the rider bib. Uh, we also have sponsors that will, will, will provide some, you know, different goodies and stuff like that. Like, for instance, we have a tram here, Sandia Peak. They'll provide a voucher for people to ride the tram. It goes up to 10,400 feet. So there's a lot of different things that we we provide, you know, during the registration process. That tram, one of the scariest rides I've ever been on in my life. Scared the living, <laughs> scared the living crap out of me. I've been there. Yeah, I love that area. Can you believe the views from the top, though? I mean, it's oh yeah, we yeah we went up. We had dinner at the restaurant at the top. Beautiful, yeah. beautiful. Still, I'm sorry. That's a scary ride. That <laughs> <laughs> is. It is. We've been speaking with Tom Parker. He is the ride director for Day of the Tread, October 23rd. Registrations open now, dayofthetread.com. What a fun ride it sounds like. Maybe. Maybe I could talk my husband into going to Albuquerque. You gotta come down. Gotta come down and enjoy it. 
We haven't been there. We haven't been there in 20 years. That would be awesome. Tom, thank you so much. I hope you have a great rest of your 2022 till we get to October. And thank you for talking with me today. Hey, thank you for having me on and uh, happy new year. Happy new year to you. Tom Parker is the ride director for Day of the Tread. I love the name and really found the logo to be um, interesting. You should go look at it. You can find it at dayofthetread.com and registration is already open. My thanks to Tom and to Lexi Savides for joining me this week. Next week, we get back to some serious stuff with Scott Shepard. Scott is the Chief Commercial and Product Officer at Assistabee.no, specializing in AI optimization of public transport and multimodal systems. We're going to pick his brain about the future of public transportation, bicycling, and how urban planning is or isn't living up to its potential. We'll also check in with two of my faves from People for Bike, Noah and Ash, who also attended the CES show with presentations about e-bikes and more. My thanks to you for listening. Please remember that you can still find us on Facebook and Twitter, and you can leave a comment on our blog, OutspokenCyclist.com, where every episode is posted with links and a synopsis of the show. You can subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app and share it with everyone you know. Why not? Anyway, please stay safe and be well. And remember, there is always time for a ride. Bye-bye. Joining us today on The Outspoken Cyclist with Diane Jenks. We welcome your thoughts and contributions on our Facebook page. Or visit OutspokenCyclist.com to leave a comment on any episode. We will be back next week with new guests, topics, conversations, and news from the world of cycling. Subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app and you'll never miss an episode. The Outspoken Cyclist is a copyrighted production of DBL Promotions with the assistance of WJCU-FM Cleveland, a service of John Carroll University. Thanks again for listening, ride safely, and we'll see you next week.